1: Hey, this is Crystal Knight and welcome back to the show. I'm doing a special edition weekend episode because I want to talk about the Oscars. It's the most wonderful time of the year if you're in TV and film because Sunday, March the 12th, the Oscars will be here. It is the most premier time where everyone and anyone who's involved in TV and film and talent will come together to celebrate nominations and ultimately see who their favorite is to win. This week, I spoke with J.P. Mangalinden. He is the entertainment correspondent for The Insider, and he's giving us a preview ahead of the Oscars so we can understand and break down What's happening this year? What are the shows we should be looking out for that will win? Who are the actors and actresses and directors and the costume design and music directors and makeup design folks that may likely win? Now, obviously, we recorded this episode ahead of the Oscars. So these are just predictions. But I think it's important that we talk about a little bit of culture, a little bit of entertainment, and who better to speak about this with than someone who covers this beat regularly. Welcome to the show, JP.
0: Thanks for having me, Crystal.
1: Now, this coming Sunday is the Oscars, so it's the biggest event of the year for folks who are in TV and film. It's the biggest event of the year for actors and actresses. What should we expect from this year's Oscar ceremony?
0: that's a great question i think uh people will be watching closely on multiple fronts for best picture for best um i think best actress in particular is a heated race um the two front runners are Kate blanchett for her performance in tar and then uh, Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, you know, both actresses did incredible jobs in both films, but the, I would give the edge to Michelle Yeoh. Um, it would be her first Oscar. She's the first Asian actress nominated for an Oscar. So this really feels like potentially a her moment to bask in the spotlight. You know, other potential uh, categories to look at would be best actor, you know, Brendan Fraser for the whale has won several awards. Colin Farrell has won uh, several awards. And then of course, Austin Butler for his amazing performance in Elvis um, is up for it. And I would give the edge to Austin Butler. I think, you know, he spent years crafting this character and this performance and I think it really pays off. So I think he's going to get recognized for that on Sunday.
1: Absolutely. And I saw Elvis and it was such a great movie. I'm from Memphis originally. And so the story really resonated with me. And I thought Austin Butler did an amazing job. I also am a fan of Brendan Fraser. Um, and the ability to scale up to the level for the movie The Whale and really tap into just the emotional side of that story, it really will be a tough competition for best actor in my opinion.
0: Oh, agreed. Agreed. The whale still still lingers with me. It's it's, it's kind of painful. To yeah. Watch,
1: so. So let's go back, though. You talked about Michelle Yeoh. She's the first Asian actress who's ever been nominated. It's 2023. It's hard to imagine that this is actually never happened for Best Actress. But, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. That has been one of the movies of the year. It's been, you know, one of the movies to watch moving into the Oscars. And so can you just share with our listeners why do you think she has the edge over Kate Blanchett?
0: Well, to be completely transparent with you, Mm -hmm. I think Hollywood, particularly when it comes to the Oscars, half of half of the equation is talent and what happens in the performance the other half is marketing uh the marketing push by various studios mm-hmm. and um the narrative around that particular actor and their performance in the case of michelle yo she's been working for decades upon decades in various different roles and everything everywhere all at once allows her to display her acting chops and her literal physical chops, right? I mean, over the course of two plus hours, two and a half hours, you know, she's playing multiple personalities or versions of herself. Mm-hmm. She's smacking down characters across different scenes. Yeah. So it's, it's it's probably the most well-rounded. Um, role for her and the best performance she's ever given in her life. You know, and on top of that, you know, there's this narrative, you know, again, she's the first Asian actress to be nominated for an Oscar. She's very well liked in Hollywood. I mean, Mm -hmm. with industry insiders. So there is a growing general consensus that this is her time and the Oscars, not just for her amazing performance and everything everywhere all at once, but also for her body of work um, over the last few decades.
1: Yeah, that's helpful for us to understand. Let's also talk about another woman who this will be her first time being nominated in the Best Actress category, Andrea Risenborough for the movie um, to Leslie. And there's been a lot of controversy around how she even arrived at this Best Actress nomination, you spoke about, you know, there's a campaign that happens for every single category where folks have to, you know, lobby, um, you know, the, the nomination board. What does that process look like and why can you break down just this controversy? Like, Why is it such a, you know, why is it causing controversy that Andrea has been nominated, particularly when you've had or when she's had other A-list actors and actresses speak up on her behalf and say that this film is something that deserves recognition to even be in the category?
0: Normally, when it comes to the playbook for, um, promoting a film for Oscars consideration is twofold. It's a heavy marketing push. You know, the studio decides which films, which performers um, are most likely to win an Oscar for them and they, they allocate the funds towards them. So if you live in LA, for example, you will see scores of billboards saying, you know, for your consideration, everything, everywhere, all at once, you know, and Michelle Yeoh. And then in addition to that, they put the nominees, you know, on a lo- on the press circuit. You know, I saw Michelle Yeoh promoting on MSNBC twice over the last week. You know, they're doing a lot of interviews just to re- increase or raise awareness Um, not only with the Academy, but also with the general public about their work. What's interesting about Andrea Riseborough is, although she's extremely well-respected for her acting chops um, in Hollywood and with industry insiders, she is not as well known um not nearly as well known to the general public in the u.s and her film um to leslie only generated twenty-seven thousand dollars um in box office receipts um in theaters so it was not watched by a lot of people but what was really interesting about this um marketing push for her it was all grassroots um she and her agent manager are super well connected in Hollywood. So, what you saw was a lot of A listers um, promoting, endorsing Andrea Riceborough in every which way you could, particularly via screenings. I'm Charlize Theron, for example. Um, held a screening for Two Leslie and spoke some wonderful words about Andrea Rice, um, Gwyneth Paltrow took to Instagram to proclaim the film. One of the best film experiences she's ever seen that's now becoming extinct. And, um, and then Kate Winslet, you know, I think probably give the best compliment you could ever give an, an actor. She said, it was the greatest female performance on screen I have ever seen in my life. I think that grassroots campaign really helped her land that Oscar nomination, but the controversy is really around whether that grassroots campaign flouts um, Academy rules when it comes to promoting Films and, in particular, um, film performances. Um, now, the Academy ultimately ruled that nothing wrong was done, mm-hmm. but I think it—I think it sort of sets a precedent. Or, moving forward in years to come, the Academy will be paying closer attention to how um, films and their actors um, promote their performances and projects in the run-up to the Oscars.
1: Right, because what it means is, if that's the case. Every single actor or actress or even, you know, movie house that puts out something that they really want to sell well or, you know, heavily promote it, they can just call up their A-list friends and say, "Hey, can you do an Instagram post? Can you do a tweet about it? Can you do a TikTok about it? Can you go on press circuit with us, you know, talking about it or, you know, reaching out to reporters?" So the question becomes like, where does it begin and end in the promotion in the grassroots campaign for it? And is it opening up the door for something more sinister to happen down the line? You know, and I think that's something that maybe people are thinking about. I'm not sure because I'm not a Hollywood insider. But if I'm looking at what just happened to her in this film and I'm thinking, oh, I have this independent movie that's coming out. I really want it to do well. Um, Who can I tap to help me elevate into, you know, an Oscar nomination? A
0: hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I do think Andrea Riceborough gave a terrific performance in To Leslie, but she was certainly like the surprise nomination.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking of Viola Davis um, in The Woman King that felt, you know, maybe that was a snub. But, you know, there's also, you know, the first in Angela Bassett being, you know, nominated in the um, supporting actress role for um a marvel film rather you know with wakanda forever the black panther and so that's something that i don't think we've seen as well obviously there are other you know women listed in the category but really just having these action films actually make it because typically these action films do very well, right? Like people go to the box office and see them because if you're into these, you know, superhero characters, the movie houses understand that these are going to do well in numbers. But having an actual movie or actress um, be nominated is something new that is this something that will likely happen in the future?
0: That's a great question. I, I wish I could look into the crystal ball and answer that. But what I. <laughs> say is um, of all the performances I've personally seen so far in Marvel films or superhero films Angela Bassett is perhaps the strongest maybe that's not surprising to you and me because she's such a powerhouse of a performer mm-hmm. um, and her role in I mean she lends dignity and grace and gravitas to her performance as the queen of Wakanda in Black Panther uh, the sequel so it's it's not shocking to me at all that she is winning these awards, and I think she will win Best Supporting Actress, um, and I think she deserves it.
1: Wow, that's exciting. So, JP, let's talk about the Best Picture. This is always a category that everyone watches, and there are great, you know, films that have been nominated this year for Best Picture. There's All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, um, The Banishes of Insuran, Elvis. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and then Women Talking. This seems to be a lot of nominations this year. Is it normally, you know, over five films that are considered for best picture?
0: Yes. Uh, in recent years, it, it, that has been the case. And, you know, you mentioned all these films uh, for this year. And uh, there are so many great ones, but for very different reasons. You know, um, you mentioned All Quiet on the Western Front, which has nine nominations. Um, It's a terrific film, Avatar, The Way of the Water. Certainly there's a box office blockbuster. The Banshees of Anishirin is beloved by so many critics. Um, although, to be personally honest, it's not my pick for best film. Okay. Um, you mentioned Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, Fablemans um has won some recognition in the past as well. But my vote goes to Everything Everywhere all at once. I believe that film in particular is going to sweep the Oscars, which includes Best Picture, Best Actress, um, and myriad other awards.
1: Well, we talked about the Best Actor category we did not talk about um, supporting actor. Do you have any thoughts about any of the men who are nominated in the supporting role? So, again, that would be Brendan Gleason, Brian Tyree Henry, which that's new for him. Um, Judd Hirsch, Barry Keegan, if I'm saying his name right. And then Q Hu Quan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Any inkling about who might win in the supporting actor role?
0: Sure. Oh, well, I mean, well, you mentioned all those actors, and they all turned in terrific performances in their respective films. But I think He Hui Kwan for everything all at once is the the just the the default shoe in. He has won virtually every award for his role. Um, he's won over fifty awards. Mm-hmm. So um, at this point, I think I think who get it for two reasons, the first being that he does give a great performance in the film, you know, playing different personalities, utilizing his stunt work because he used to be a stunt uh, coordinator behind the scenes to do some great, um, Marvel uh, martial arts like work in the film. And he also has a great narrative. I mean, this is a guy who, um, you know, he made it big in the 1980s. If you remember crystal films like the Goonies and Indiana Jones. And then for decades after he couldn't get any, he barely got any work he struggled behind the scenes he was a stunt coordinator for films like x-men you know and he described it i spoke to him recently he described it as a very sort of demoralizing experience and Mm. then everything everywhere all at once came he got this big role and it has put him back on the map and so as we both know um, the public, Hollywood especially, loves a sort of comeback story. And he right. is an essential comeback story.
1: That sounds like a comeback story. And I mean, and really, also on the backdrop, you know, in 2015, there was this, you know, hashtag that went around by April Rain called Oscars So White. And so we've seen more people of color. Maybe we should give her credit or or maybe we should give credit to the Academy for just doing the right thing and, and really taking a deeper look at actors and actresses of color, directors, you know. People in makeup and in hair, costume design, all the categories and really celebrating the diversity that makes up the Hollywood industry. And so I'm excited to hear about stories like that. I'll be looking out for that category to see if he actually wins. But can you just speak to, you know, the diversity in the nominations and the diversity in those who are winning over the last, you know, five to seven years? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. Um, diversity, you know, ha- remains a big Hollywood issue along both um, cultural backgrounds and ethnicities, but also um, across gender. You know, certainly with I think the Me Too movement helped to some extent, but we're still seeing, you know, men dominate certain films, um, film choices. Like, for instance, example, Um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once was originally meant for Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. Yeah, which would have been a very different movie. Very different. Um, Yeah, but fortunately, Michelle Yeoh got it. So it's like little things like that, I think, that are still um, playing out. I do think slowly but surely, female directors are slowly beginning to get more of their due, and we'll see more films um, this year, that, that exemplify that, like Greta Gerwig's uh, Barbie adaptation, will be huge this year. But it's 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 a process. I think every I think everyone in the industry acknowledges that and pokes fun about that on stage. But I'm hoping this year, when it comes to ethnicity, for example, everything everywhere all at once will be a strong beacon for Asians in the community.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, and and when you talked about. You know, even just directing all of the nominations this year for, um, you know, directing are men. And it's not to say that these men are not deserving, um, but obviously that's something that the, you know, Academy has to continue to work towards. And it's not just... Putting a woman there just so they can scratch off a box and say, "Hey, there's a woman that's nominated. But really looking across the breadth of, you know, the industry and what's been created over the last year to see if any of these films um and the directors and the producers and all of the folks that are involved are worthy of these nominations. And so I would assume, and and this is a question, does the same amount of campaigning, like we, we spoke about Andrea Risenborough for To Leslie. Does that same amount of campaigning have to happen for these other categories or is it just for these top awards like your best picture or your you know best actress or best actor?
0: That's a really great question, actually. I would say. Uh, based on observation and conversations with some insiders that the majority of budget uh, with regards to Oscars marketing goes into best picture, best actor, and best actress with other categories like, you know, best cinematography, um, best sound. Those tend to fall much lower on the totem pole in terms of priorities, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. unfortunately.
1: Um, What about music? You know, that's something that I think many folks, this isn't the Grammys, but, you know, people do think about the theme songs that they've heard, you know, for these different movies. And, you know, Rihanna was just the Super Bowl halftime performer in her song, um, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's been nominated for, um, you know, original song. And there are some others, though. You know, there's Applause, Applause which is from Tell It Like a Woman. There's Hold My Hand from Top Gun. There's Natu Natu. And then there's also This Is Life from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Do you have any predictions about just original song?
0: I think Natu Natu from RRR will likely win it. It has a lot of momentum behind the film, behind the song. Um, People love that an international film, feel-good film is nominated um, in some way, shape or form. But I think a a close second is Rihanna's uh, Lift Me Up.
1: Can you break down what's the difference between, you know, original song, original score? We also have, you know, writing adapted screenplay versus original screenplay. What are those four separate categories as opposed to one category for each? One for writing, one for music. But how should people think about those as different things?
0: That's a really great question, uh, Crystal. You know, if I had to sort of distill it, you know, Best Original Score is more of an all-encompassing award for like the score all across the film, whereas the song itself is just that one particular track. Your question about uh, screenplay, you know, um, I think they want to delineate between, you know, screenplays that might be adapted from books or other source materials and original screenplay as being sort of I don't want to say, you know, entirely original, you know, but it's not adapted or based on something else.
1: Got it. Okay. And then, you know, the other big thing that I think folks will be watching or thinking about is is just the controversy around the Oscars. So last year, we all know there was this infamous slap between Will Smith and Chris Rock, and Chris Rock just recently did a Netflix Live comedy special entitled Selective Outrage, really speaking about, you know, the Will Smith situation and how he feels that it was selective and that he chose to choose violence, quite frankly, at the last minute as he was telling a joke what can we expect from comedians as they enter into this 2023 Oscar season? Should they be on eggshells about telling jokes about their fellow A-listers in Hollywood? Or should we expect something else wild and crazy like what happened last year to occur? What do you think the response will be this year? And what do you think the Academy is prepared for? Should someone be offended?
0: Yeah, I just wrote a story about this, actually. It would be crazy not to acknowledge in a joke somewhere in the material um, about what happened last year. Right. That being said, I don't think they're going to dwell on it. I think I think they're going to sort of move on. I don't think that the, the host is going to shy away from cracking um, jokes that poke fun at Hollywood and some of the the tropes of Hollywood. Um, and this time around the Oscar, the Academy will be more prepared to handle any real time emergencies or incidents. They've hired a crisis team who will be on site, who will you know, handle anything that might be even remotely approaching what happened last year. So yeah. hopefully we won't see a repeat.
1: Right. And Will Smith has been banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Is that correct?
0: That's right. 10 years. Although um, crisis PR experts I've spoken to in Hollywood feel like, you know, he handles the next few years with dignity in class. And, you know, his sentence could be shortened, you know, maybe in five years, mm-hmm. but um, it's a matter of him serving his so-called sentence for a little while
1: does the sentence include not being able to be nominated as well, or just not attending the ceremony?
0: He can be nominated and win awards still, but he's not be on site to pick up the award. Um, so he's banned from the gala itself and any Academy events.
1: Is that an appropriate response? Is that something that will tarnish him moving forward? Clearly he's been in another film emancipation, which was on Apple or Apple plus TV. Um, How does this either help or hurt his reputation moving forward?
0: You know, as we both know, Will Smith was basically the golden boy of Hollywood. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So well liked. He has such an affable persona. And then the slap really was so jarring. Um, It's not it, it wasn't the Will Smith that we all know and adore as I might've mentioned before, Hollywood loves a comeback. And I think in particular, they love, they would love to see a comeback when it comes to Will Smith. The first few months, I think were tough. I think, you know, a lot of people on social media, some fans felt, you know, he might've permanently alienated some fans, but, you know, over the last month we're seeing him get recognition again, the NAACP awarded him the image award for outstanding actor and emotion picture for mm-hmm. Patient* the African-American Film Critics Associations, they gave him the Beacon Award on behalf of Emancipation as well. So that's, you know, a long-winded way of saying he's already um, getting recognition again. And I think as long as he doesn't respond to Chris Rock's latest special, um, he just focuses on the work, you know, you just give him more time and he'll be back.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I was very nervous. Obviously, I don't know Will Smith, but I was just nervous that like, wow, his I didn't think his career was done because I was like, he's too powerful to have it just be done and over. Um, But, you know, seeing the film, I did see Emancipation and just, um, you know, seeing him rebound even after this and take a beat. Um, you know, is something that I think people appreciate. it. I agree with you. I don't know that it doesn't buy him anything to respond. I think Chris clearly waited a year. He timed it perfectly because the Oscars are coming on on Sunday to release his, you know, Netflix special so that it's in front of everyone's mind that this did happen. I have feelings about it. And now I'm expressing them as you think about and as you watch the next Oscars for this season. This is something that you should be reminded of. And so, um, you know, hopefully Will is taking the appropriate steps to heal. And hopefully Chris is also taking the appropriate steps to heal. Um, But I do think that it was a jarring thing and I don't think that that's something we should Even attempt to normalize because that's not the proper way to handle, you know, disputes. And, you know, obviously it's questionable how people feel about the joke versus, you know, the reaction. But normalizing violence is something that I don't think the Academy wants to step into just for even fines that could potentially happen for showing things like that live on TV
0: absolutely um, and I think I think it's also worth pointing out that you know in the immediate wake of the slap um, many of will Smith's projects were put on hold now many of those projects are back on track bad voice 4 is back on track to release in January. Another one in National Geographic uh, documentary called Pole to Pole is back on track as well. And, um, you know, according to Smith's IMDb page, he has 13 upcoming projects listed. Most of them are in a producing capacity, but it seems like the signs are there for, you know, getting back on track.
1: What should people understand about movies that have been nominated that were shown and appeared on streaming?
0: Yeah, you know, um, you know, as we both know, Netflix in particular has been investing a lot of money um, into content, prestige content. They feel like could be best picture um, contenders. That started primarily, I think, with Roma, which was nominated for best picture in 2019, but lost out to Green Book. Um, and then you've seen, you know, other films since, like The Irishman, getting ten nominations in 2020. Power of the Dog, um, getting nom- twelve nominations in twenty twenty two, and while those films have gotten some awards, like Jane Campion for the Power of the Dog, none of those films have won um, Best Picture, and I think you know no one's ever going to say it expressly, mm-hmm. but it's it speaks to I think this resistance somewhat that still remains about you know if a film wins Best Picture at the Oscars, it's almost like a signal saying that, you know, not just, I mean, streaming is obviously here to stay, mm-hmm. but streaming really, it is a hundred percent here. You know, they can now make best picture worthy films and a lot of, um, Hollywood insiders like Steven Spielberg, for example, have been very vocal about streaming versus the box office. Spielberg's a big fan of the box office, for example. Right. Um, So it'll happen in terms of um, best picture coming for um, a Netflix film, for example. But we're still in this great period where there's a little bit of resistance towards streaming and awards.
1: Before we leave that topic, I think the thing that always intrigues me about streaming versus box office is that we are still, by some measure, living through pandemic times. And so being able to go into a movie theater um, it's a privilege for people who don't have to worry about close quarters with other people or compromised immune systems. But I also think that folks enjoy, you know, having a good movie night at home, but there are also people who enjoy going to the movies and, you know, paying, you know, 13 to $15, getting a bag of popcorn and a soda and being able to sit and watch something on the big screen with all of the sound. And so I just wonder really how movie houses can really adapt to some of the streaming that's happening and still produce these big blockbuster hits. Is there an opportunity or possibility where you would see a Paramount or a Warner Brothers or a Disney even, you know, have their big box office things, but also have things that are directly for streaming so that they can be competitive as well in both arenas?
0: Great question, Um, I think we're seeing studios and in particular creators um, thinking, having more of like a bi-directional approach to it. Steven Spielberg, for example, um, who was long, I mentioned has long been resistant to streaming, finally like acquiesced. And so he's developing, he and his uh, studio Amblin are producing content, not just for the big screen, but also for Netflix, for example. So that's, I think, and I think that example will continue to be followed and emulated by others out there.
1: I went to see Creed 3 last weekend. It's only in theaters right now. So I I enjoyed going back into a theater, watching a movie. Um, But what do you think about the future of movies at theaters will be? And And obviously it had a great opening weekend. It seemed like it did amazing numbers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another that plus worldwide box office avatar and the way of water you know top gun maverick before that they all speak to you know there are still great opportunities for theaters to make money but that being said i think audiences preferences have changed because of the pandemic they want to watch more content at home i mean they made films like the ones i just mentioned are perfect for the theater. And I think they will continue to to flock to theaters for films like that. But for other films that might be less buzzy or, you know, render just as well on your TV at home, like some dramas, for example, I think, you know, they will stay at home. Um, Certainly, you're seeing theaters in different ways try to draw... Uh, more viewers Mm -hmm. you know after the pandemic theaters tried to expand their concession food menu Um, some theaters have like more than 50 items i mean i go to amc for example and they're serving vegetarian chicken nuggets now
1: (laughs) (laughs) which are pretty good by the way okay okay
0: and also it's like amc is trying something else they have like a new system called Sightlight which is basically like three pricing tiers depending on on what kind of seat and where that seat is in the office, in the audience, it'll be priced differently. So if I want to sit in the middle, they're going to charge me more. If I want to sit elsewhere, um, I'll get standard prices. But if I sit in the front row, it'll be the least expensive. And maybe that shouldn't be shocking because, you know, if you've gone to a concert or a theater, a play, for example, that's a system that has long been in place. It's certainly new to movie going. So I think it'll be interesting to see how well it's adopted by theater goers.
1: I'm excited to watch this Sunday. And I am so thankful that Insider shared you with us to just give us this preview. So again, we've been speaking with JP Mangalinden of The Insider. And he is the entertainment correspondent. So thank you so much, JP, for giving our listeners a preview of what's to come this Sunday.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to The Crystal Night Show.